What's up, guys? We have another great show for you today after a wild weekend in MLS. We're absolutely loaded today. Mariano Trujillo joins Vince and I, and we're talking El Trafico. The union refused to lose, and we'll tell you about our players of the week. And MLS insider Tom Bogart will join us live to give us the latest news on what's happening around the league, including the latest on the Carlos Vela contract situation in L.A. The expansion mansion starts now. Welcome to another episode of the Expansion Mansion. We're fired up to bring you a great show today. There is no lack of big storylines after a wild weekend in MLS. Let me introduce you to the guys helping me break it all down today. Philly's back. What were you thinking bringing me back? Come on. <laughs> you did really well in that first show, so I had to bring you back. Philly defenders from Defenders of the Bank is back. And joining us as he does at this time on Monday, Mariano Trujillo, who called the game in Spanish the biggest rivalry in MLS. Thanks for joining us, Mark. Well, my, my pleasure to be here. Crazy game. Crazy game, by the way. Crazy game. But hey, let's, we're going to get to it. We're going to get right. to it. Right, but before right. we get started, don't forget to hit that subscribe button. We want to keep growing the Expansion Mansion as well as everything else 110 football. And you guys are the key to that. Your support means the world to us. And if you could hit that like button, we'd appreciate that as well. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Thanks, Vince. There is so much to talk about, so let's get this show on the road. Let's dive into the biggest talking points around the league. It is time for Hashtag Trending. <laughs> they took away our laser budget. Uh, all right, guys, all right, guys. I, I can't hold it anymore. We need to talk about what happened between LAFC and LA Galaxy this weekend. But not only, not only the whole game, I want you guys to check this video out because I, don't, I still don't understand what happened. Let's just, let's just roll it, let's play it. Can you explain this to me, guys? Because I, I honestly don't understand. Okay, so right there, look. So yeah. the, the guy in the middle, he's gonna play it. And he's, right here, right here. So he's, yeah, and then the guy, and the guy that's offside, he's gonna come back and play the ball. He's gonna deflect off the right player, but he doesn't play, so it's a deflection, right? Correct, and right there I have offside. Yep. Correct, offside is my decision. There's no... Nothing yeah, else? The, Perfect. Yeah, right, the other thing doesn't matter. Offside is the decision. Yep, good job, Chris. Good job. Come on, guys. Are you still complaining? It's pretty clear. Did you guys actually understand what happened or not, or not really? Because I heard, great job, Chris. Talking about to Chris Penzer, right? So what do you guys think about it? What's clear and obvious <laughs> is that there's nothing that's clear and obvious anymore. I mean, I, I hearken the words to Andres Franco, VAR equals basura. I mean, there's so much chaos that happened. You need six or seven frames to explain it. A couple of people, a bunch of tweets on, uh, from pro. I don't know. I don't know what happened there. We're just getting into parsing words all the time now, right? Like, clear, what's clear and obvious? It's like it's a phrase that's supposed to set you up for, for success because they're like, look, clear and obvious. That makes perfect sense. That means no one will get this wrong. And then all the time we're, we're not understanding what clear and obvious is. Now, now we're talking about what's deliberate. So we're looking down the line. We're saying, okay, this call looks about right. But when a defender looking at the ball tries to lean in and hit the ball, that's just a deflection. Is that clear and obvious? I don't know. And then how do I know what he's thinking? Is it a deflection? It's, I don't... I don't know. And, and, and then... 
Well, I mean, to me, it's it's, it's very confusing because uh, I heard the VAR referees uh, actually giving the explanation to Penso, Coach Penso, and it's like, okay, then the decision is offside, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, good. So, I don't know. I think this, instead of helping the game, this is uh, damaging the game mm -hmm. because it's so much confusion, or confusion around the game that we're talking more about the refs than what actually happened in the game between the two teams. And that's big where you played yourself. You were a defender. And the fact that you can't seem to comprehend what the heck's going on there. How are, how's the average fan like myself going to understand it? So much chaos. So much. Yeah, and, well, and it's inconsistency. We, we best, talked a little yes. bit before the show. There, there was a play earlier in the game where Carlos is, is free on goal and Grand Sear, who actually was phenomenal in that game, uh, he catches up to him, makes a great tackle. And some people at first were like, ooh, was that a foul? No, it was clean as a tackle. Yes. But then the flag goes up. And you're like, wait, you, you called an offside that, one, you didn't need to because the play was already over. Yep. And two, was incorrect. Yeah. So it just, I, I don't know what faith I have in this group when they're not doing the simple things correct, like that offside call, mm -hmm. like keeping your flag down if it's close on the Carlos Velo headed goal in the first half. It's just, you're not breeding any confidence in me. And I know they put out this video and, oh, good job, Chris, great job, you. It's like patting yourself on the back. And yeah. I, I want the explanation, so I, I shouldn't harp on it too much because I do appreciate the explanation. It just, it felt a little self-serving to me. Hmm. Is, it is it anything patting yourself on the back? Is it more justifying and trying to protect your job? I mean, that's what it seems like to me with all the explanations that went in there, all those little windows. I mean, I think people knew they, they, they kind of messed this up. And I mean, that's why they needed so much explanation to go with with the call itself. Yeah, and, and I think there's a saying, right? When you have to explain uh, one situation with a lot of things, it means that you're not sure if actually you're right or not. But what, what do you guys think about the game? What, what happened with LAFC? Because they started the first five, eight minutes, I will say, very, very good, very intense. And then what happened? This is... It just seems par for the course when we go mm. to Dignity Health Sports Park. When LAFC goes there, it's like they're gonna they're gonna get chances. They're gonna probably play a little bit better on the balance of things, but the Galaxy are gonna take their chances. Mm. And that seems to be the problem. The Galaxy only need to create two or three to score two or three, whereas LAFC need to create 10, 11, 12 chances to just score one. This, this is a problem, right? Well, if you're LAFC, it is a problem, no? I mean, look, they, they did come out red hot, all right? So, I mean, Carlos Vela had that back heel pass. Yep. Sifu had a shot on goal. But, I mean, to kind of piggyback off what I said on LAFC 360 uh, a few hours ago, I mean, it was like Lemony Snicket's a series of unfortunate events. I mean, you had Brian going out yeah. in the seventh minute with his hamstring, all right? Trainers were attending to him, thinking he could come back. No, Izzy comes on in the 11th minute. All of a sudden, the flow of the game, the momentum, the tactics kind of go out the window for a second. The gravitas of the situation probably engulfed all of them. And then 12, and then two minutes later, you had Grancier connecting with Fox in the Box, Chicharito, yep. heading in past Cripo. I mean, it only took them 31 minutes to, to get the job done. And two, goal, uh, two goals, two shots on target, Cripo made no saves. Hmm. I have a question. I have a question. Is it, is it, a, is it a mental... Uh, situation with LAFC visiting LA Galaxy because of what you said. Oh, we know we have to create a, a multiple chances because if they have one, they're going to punish us. How else can you explain it, right? All the players have changed. The coaches have changed. Yeah. And yet still it seems to be the same. I mean, I'll, ask, I'll flip another question to you. In that same vein, if Chicharito and Carlos Vela switched teams, which team would be better? Oh. Wow, that's a good one. I honestly believe that LAFC. 
Right. I like both. And actually, Chicharito said Because if you're creating some, 10 chances for Chicharito, course. they're probably scoring seven goals. Without yeah. a doubt. And I think uh, we can argue about this a little bit more, but I think LAFC is lacking that physical presence inside of the box uh, in these type of games, right? Because, yeah, you create a lot of chances, and you like this number nine that can probably move away from the 18 box and create and linking with his teammates. But at one point in the game, the final minutes, you need a physical presence to, to be there just to poke the ball in the back of the net. Uh but yeah, actually Chicharito said, if you put Carlos Vela and Chicharito in a blender, you will get the best Mexican player ever. And I kind of agree. I, I oh, agree, yeah. Right? yeah no without doubt. a doubt. I mean, the, so. the greatest uh, Mexican player, like 30 yards from going in with the greatest Mexican player from 18 <laughs> yards and in, well, yeah, I think, I think it's going to be a pretty good player. Yeah, I think Hugo Sanchez is still the best in, in that final third. But well, it's arguable. Well, you know it's whose arguable. favorite player that is? Carlos Vela. Is there the you go. <laughs> he knows a thing or two about good players. But guys, with the loss of LAFC, it means there's only one team that remains unbeaten in MLS. And I bet you can guess it in the chat. No? It's the Philadelphia Union. Uh, it actually was one of my picks uh, to be pretty good this year, so I'm going to pat myself on the back a little bit. What are but your picks just, to be pretty good? Okay. Well, Digesting. because a lot of people, they lost a lot of guys. Yeah. And didn't really didn't necessarily reshuffle with big signings, uh, mm -hmm. per se. I, I know that they like their, their DP forward who's going to come along. Um, they pick up Julian Carranza from, from Miami on the cheap. Uh, but they just keep finding a way to win. And in this game, they get a fortunate keeper blunder, and then <laughs> they don't have to do much. They just stay pat, right? So what is it What is it about the union that's making them so good this year? We talk about these uh, academy structure they have, right? And uh, is that, that's just one step, one piece of, of the whole structure they have. I think Jimmy Curtin is a great coach, but they also have chosen right players for that structure they have. Uh, they have key players uh, on defense. They have key players in the middle of the field. They have key players on top. Uh, it's a team. It's actually a team. And one of the complications of coaching in MLS is that being able to form or put a team together. We can see so many examples with uh, coaches that are not from here and they struggle with that, even though they were successful in another league. So I think the Philadelphia Union is a perfect, perfect example of how to uh, play with the rules and bring talent the talent that you need, not the talent that it's uh, right there in the in the uh, you know, in the market mm -hmm. to bring. I mean, it's quite impressive. Their defense obviously clamped things down. I mean, in six games, they've only allowed two goals. <laughs> Them along with uh, with Chicago, uh, although Chicago doesn't really score goals. Yeah. But I mean, that's <laughs> that, I mean that's a pretty interesting statistic within its own right. And then you got Gazdog, who is riding a four-game scoring streak. Uh, I mean, you've got Alejandro Bedoya. I mean, they've got four guys who are legitimate yep. scores and threats for this team. And you know, after last year, some of these guys that return are going to come in with a chip on their shoulder. COVID wiped their entire season out. Had it not been for COVID, perhaps they would have leapfrogged NYCFC and battled for the MLS sure. Cup. But this is a team with something to prove. And it's not surprising to me that they are in the lead for the Supporters' Shield, although it might be a little too early to talk about the Supporters' Shield, kind of like it's too early for Charlotte to talk about the playoffs. Well, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. But, I mean, I'll, I'll say this about Philadelphia, which is a testament, again, to their scouting and yep. the, the way that they recruit. Uh, they have no luxury players. Like everyone, exactly. all their good players are right down the middle and they yeah. all make sense. They have a great goalkeeper, great center backs. They're central midfielders. And they, that's how they funnel the game. They say, go to the outsides. We'll, we'll track you down, but you're not coming through the middle. And, yep. and all these guys put in a shift. And I think, again, that's got to be credit to Jim Curtin because he gets every single guy that comes through that door to say, this is the style of football that the Philadelphia Union play. You're here because we think you can play it. If you don't think you can play it, we'll find somewhere else for you to go. Uh, 
totally, totally. All right, transitioning on to the next topic of conversation. It's time to start a revolution. Although supporters <laughs> from New England are probably feeling that way with the type of season that they're having. Boys, Campana, hat trick in the game for Inter-Miami. First one in team history. Look, the New England Revolution, a team that's coming off a Supporters' Shield last year, making Inter-Miami look good. What's going on in New England, folks? I know. I know what is happening. It's a Pumas effect. Oh. No, I think they're still struggling with that. Uh, uh, you know, it was a difficult situation for them. They had a c clear advantage. It's Bruce Arena's team. It's really hard to score goals on Bruce Arena's teams. Uh, and they, they couldn't make it. They blew it. So now coming into the regular MLS season, I think they're struggling with that. And, and they look lost. You know, you, uh, that uh, revolution team that we saw previously uh, is not on the field anymore. So I think it's a little bit as well of the, the lack of confidence the players has. And, and I don't know if, if Bruce is, is kind of like wondering, what do I need to do? Because my, my methodology is not working anymore. Well, it's so interesting because he was the one that brought them because they were they were really, really bad. And then all of a sudden yeah. they're Supporter Shield winners and we're like, wow, this is a pretty good team. But to your point, it's it falls on Bruce, right? Like when your team gets down after a bad result, you've got to find a way to re-engineer that. And he has a lot of the same players. Yes, you lost Tejon Buchanan, and they could really use yes. a guy that, like, in moments when you when you can't play your best technical football, he can just speed by guys yep. or just do something special. But you still got Carlos Seal. Yes, Gustavo Bo has an injury, and he's Bruce has dealt with a lot of injuries, so we got to give him that. But for them to play so poorly against a Miami team and just little mistakes i just yep. I, I i wonder to your point like bruce is probably wondering what more can i do i put this team together but you he's been in this league a long time and i and I, I i like bruce arena i've always enjoyed my talks with him but he's never been like a kind of raw raw guy like he's just kind of matter of fact like guys football's easy this is how we play it you do this and this he's very pragmatic yeah yeah and i feel like that doesn't serve him well in a moment of crisis well i mean he's in uncharted waters right now i mean with the exception of 96 this is his first four game losing streak wow. and he won mls cup in 96 anyone mls we're saying it's too early to talk about supporters now you're talking about mls cup. yeah sorry sorry i was <laughs> well, just saying yeah, it's but, just crazy to think that the last time he lost four games in a row was 1996 and that team won mls cup whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa maybe that's a good sign hey guys let's just move forward and you guys were talking about maybe it's too early you know for Philly to think the, about the supporters shield what about charlotte they play against atlanta united this new rivalry for some of you guys might be a rivalry uh, they lost the first game they play against each other now charlotte with an amazing goal took the victory is it too early for charlotte to think about playoffs uh well <laughs> It's too early to think about playoffs. <laughs> but it was also too early for us to say that this is a wooden spoon team because we clearly didn't know what Ramirez had in his group, what yep. he knew, the team spirit that he had, because this team really looks like they like each other, looks like they like their coach, and they bought into saying, we're an expansion team. And yeah, people are going to make some yeah. jokes at our expense, but we don't care as long as we can truck along and get three points, even if it's dirty. <laughs> even if it's dirty, you know what I mean? So I'll say another thing that was too early. If this is going to be a rivalry, how have they gotten both their games out of the way before the seventh game? Right of the away, Not I even know. Time to really foster just, any animosity. <laughs> yeah, they really just cleared it out. But I don't know. Do you guys see something different than I'm seeing? Because I'm seeing a scrappy team that's saying, you know, the East maybe is not the best conference. So if we can scrap out some wins, then maybe we, I wouldn't say playoffs, but 
we'll be there. We'll be around. Well, they've improved as the season has matured. I mean, the only game where they really got smacked was against DC United yeah. earlier in the season. And as the game started coming along, they were in it. They were in it against the Galaxy. If it wasn't for Alvarez's amazing goal, like they might have even walked away with a point there. They're getting better, and you got to also tip your hat off to the fact that Colleen has been a fantastic keeper for them. He's had he had six saves during the uh, during the last match against Atlanta. So I mean, it might be too quick to get ahead of myself there, but Stuver had a really good you know opening season with uh, with Austin. But mm -hmm. you know they're they're clamping down, and you got to love the fact that they're coming in with confidence, thinking that they can do things. Sometimes it really is mind over matter, and if they believe that they can win in the locker room. That's more important, I would say, than ability in some cases. I believe. I believe. Yeah, I believe they know the the way they want to win, they, mm -hmm. the way they want to compete, and probably it's not going to be uh, pretty to the eye, but it's going to be pragmatic, and that's what they do. And they being pragmatic, I really like the coach where he conveys and transmits to the fans, the players, and actually media. He's convinced of the things that they can accomplish, and the only way that they can accomplish that uh, as an expansion team is working hard on the field, and they're doing that. Yeah. They're doing that. I guess Atlanta, they did it, uh, and they're just right there. They're in playoffs. Uh, uh, position right now and if they keep playing just one game after another game thinking okay this is the game that we need to get the result I don't know I don't think it's crazy uh, to see them on the playoffs we yeah. saw an Olympico we forgot to mention that there you go yeah. well, we saw an Olympico uh, but I would say this uh, we're going to be following Charlotte a, a lot more closely uh, but I think Atlanta is a story that we got to continue to follow because I don't know what they believe in right now uh, and it looks like it's going to be another tough season. <laughs> Advil, yeah. Doctors. They believe in doctors. All right, I'm yeah. going to move us along to another team that was undefeated coming into the weekend, but the Chicago Fire drop one to Orlando on what was a pretty simple set piece. Uh, yeah. Pato has been great, but the big story out of it was Brian Gutierrez, who has been very good as a young player. Uh, he's a guy that plays centrally. Uh, he can pick a pass, and for a young guy, that's sometimes the hardest thing to do. I am of the mind that that second yellow, I like to see that called because I think tactical fouls are almost automatic. It just, it is what it is in every other <sighs> major league in the world. And I'm, I've been harping on refereeing and I need refereeing to raise up a level if we're going to reach the, the Spains, the Italy's. Uh, but my friend over there, who is a former defender, <laughs> I don't think he sees it quite the same way. I don't. I'm, it's just I think you have to analyze the context, you know, and and uh, the what type of game and everything else. If it's a violent game, if it's not, if you you're managing the game in, in a pretty good way, if you're the referee, um, I don't I don't think you should. Uh, uh, go straight to the yellow card if it's just an automatic uh, this type of play, you know, cutting a possible breakaway. I think the referee needs to be a little bit more conscious about what's going on in the game. So that's why he didn't like it. But can it make the overall game better if players are forced to know that if I do this type of play and I don't defend because he's not making a play on the ball, he's just trying to stop an opponent, uh, we'll, we'll raise a level because either the guys that can do it and can actually defend will stick around or they'll get out of here. Well, yes and no, because let's say if, if I'm a, if I'm a team that is slow, that I cannot compete against your team that is super fast, then if that's the case, then I'll decide to sit back. And that will uh, make the game a little bit boring, probably, right? But if I have the chance to, so you know what, I'm just going to put that high pressure. I'm going to take the risk. If, you know, they went through uh, just a little pool, you stop the play. Uh, I don't know. I mean, Gutierrez didn't do himself any favors by doing it directly in front of the That's official. True. I mean, right point blank range. He didn't, you don't get a better vantage point than what that ref had. Mm -hmm. Well, he's young. Right, he's a young player. Uh, again, I think he has, he's a supremely talented player, and he's he's going to come good in this league. But yeah, an older player uh, wouldn't have done it in front of the referee, and even if he did, he would have got up and ran to the opposite 18 as quick as he could uh, to get out of there. But again, I just I think at the end of the day, referees uh, should be forcing players to to defend better, 
And I think hmm. that the yellow card does that. That's why in Italy, you do that in the first hmm. minute even, they'll give you a yellow card because they they're like, look, you're here to defend. You're here to play the game. You need to play the ball. I just... Well, if it's Chiellini, I doubt it. He's a special player. <laughs> He's a special yeah, player. That, that's another thing, you know. Sometimes referees, they, they look up and it's like, oh, it's the youngster. You know, mm. here, here's the second yellow card. But if it's an experienced player, it's like, hey, come on, slow down, don't do that anymore, whatever. But uh, I don't know. Let me think about it. I'll let you know next expansion mention. You, you guys find it crazy, <laughs> though, at the fact that Chicago now, they were undefeated coming into this game. I mean, this is a team that hasn't finished in the top five since 2017. I mean, are they for I, real? I, I was. I don't know. I don't know. Big question mark. Uh, I think the zero zeros don't look pretty, but as far down as they've come, I think, uh, Mariano, you could speak to this, like, figure out your shape a little bit, yeah. and it, you'll take some zero zeros now to maybe on the back end once Jordan Shakiri and some other guys get some some flow together. Yeah, go back to the basics. It. If you're struggling, just keep some organization in the back, and then you will see what happens in the front. All right, guys, let's go more, even more in-depth on other news circulating around the league. We are lucky enough to be joined by MLS insider Tommy Scoops, Tom Bogart. Tom, thanks for joining us. There he is. There's my man. Thanks for having me. Oh, What's going on, guys? It's always good to have you, Tom. It was a, it was a busy weekend, uh, but you have been uh, busy writing up some, some scoops about some big-name players, and uh, what better place to start than with Carlos Vela? Uh, you had a report on Carlos. Uh, could you share that with our audience, and is there anything more to add to the report that you had about Carlos Vela? Yeah, so kind of a, a really big storyline that I think is being talked about, but not really over the last month, just because there wasn't a lot of news. But Carlos Vela's contract is up on June 30th, the middle of this season, which is really, really rare in this league. Um, I can only think of one other instant, instance off the top of my head, and I guess that's what you know, Carlos Vela's star power. He can he can negotiate these things into his contract because he's Carlos Vela, and and if that's kind of the the sticking point, then then he's going to get it. So I'm sure they structured it to make this difficult for LAFC. That that was a player. Uh, a club option, sorry, and it was only six months, and now they're in this difficult position because they haven't come to terms on a contract extension. Um, and, and my latest report was that the sides are still talking. Um, discussions are active and ongoing. Uh, that was described to me as a good sign uh, by, by a couple of sources. Um, but nothing, no, no agreement is imminent, which, you know, there was some reports about a month ago, a month and a half ago, that the expectation was there was going to be an agreement reached soon. And then there were reports saying that he's, you know, going to Europe or, or wants to go to Europe. So there's been a lot of noise around Carlos Vela and LAFC, so it's kind of difficult to cut through this. And, and for somebody like Carlos with his personality, with his, I guess, should have options in the game, even at 33 years old, he's as long as he's fit and and um, healthy, he's, you know, one of the best players, if not the best player in the league. And he still could be useful to a La Liga club in Spain. He would be really useful to a second division team in Spain. So he should have options. Um, but again, right now, contract expires on June 30th, and there's no agreement imminent, but talks are ongoing. If wow. you had to guess... Who, where does the hesitation come from? Is it is it from Vela's side or is it from LAFC side? It's a good question. I, I'm honestly not sure. Um, I'm you know, you know the, the basics here are you know like any other player at, at three years old. This is really his last big contract, if not his last contract, full stop. Uh, so I'm sure he wants guaranteed years, and that's one of the things I heard. Um, and again, I haven't heard specifics about you know what LAFC want, what he wants. Uh, but again, like. They're still talking. Um, it, you just think of any other, you know, star 33-year-old around the world. They want more years than the club is, are usually typically willing to give them because if you sign them to a four-year deal, and this is all hypothetical, this isn't anything reporting, but if you sign a 33-year-old to a four-year deal, and, and in the NBA, this is super prevalent, and, and MLB, MLB, yeah, you're really paying for those first two years, and then you kind of figure it out on the back end. So mm -hmm. I guess we'll kind of see what happens here. Wow. Wow. Well, let's see how this 
Finish with Carlos Bell and LAFC. Tom, uh, thanks, for, th thanks for being here with us. I just want to ask you about this controversial finish that we saw between LA Galaxy and LAFC. What are your thoughts on, on that uh, final call? Uh, my thoughts is that, and, and again, this, this, you, you're not wrong, and most people aren't wrong to focus on that because that was a wild ending and like a big controversial call that, that people can debate and talk about. My reaction is this sucks that this is what we're talking about. After that game, it was so exciting. There were so many chances. Vela hit the post, Vela offsides, uh, the Tajori Shradi chance, I believe at the end or near the end, that blessed that helicoptered in front of and, and he made him scuff the shot. Like the, the Chicharito goal, the Chicharito celebration, you just look at all of these other different storylines and talking points. It's unfortunate that, you know, right or wrong, we're talking about a refereeing decision at the end of the game, a VAR decision in, in that because of the emotion that came with that, you know, late equalizer that was then kind of take, uh, taken off. My, I think a low key part of that is, they blew the blue almost immediately after they came back from the VAR stand, VAR, VAR caught. I think that there should have been at least another 90 seconds, and that's not to suggest that LAFC definitely would have scored, or maybe this is just selfishly sitting there as a neutral. I wanted, I wanted <laughs> game. you gave me 25 more minutes, I would have taken it. So, yeah. I don't know. When, when they came back, I was like, oh, what do you mean? We have another minute. Come on, let them play. Yeah, true, true, best, true. Best rivalry in MLS. Tom, I'm going to put you on the spot. Yeah, so I think that these things are things fluid. So like this does this two years ago it was or in two years from now it will be, mm -hmm. but this is the game that I was most looking forward to. And particularly, like I guess with the caveat, if Vela and Chicharito were able to play, uh, but with the context of both of these teams are at the top of their games, like at near the top of the conference, which is not something that we've necessarily seen in this rivalry, despite you know how individually great great Zlatan was at the beginning and, and how great how they were. They're, like these two teams are legitimately good, and I don't think we really had that even in the playoff match. I think everybody knew that that Galaxy team was a little bit fraudulent. They were kind of getting by. Zlatan was papering over some cracks and, and a little bit of star power, but these two teams are legitimately good. So I'm super looking forward to this next one. Yeah. Mm. Tom, this is my first time, my first interaction with you. Just got to say I love your work. And if I may flatter you for a second, I used to think Magnum P.I., Tom Selleck, who's <laughs> the coolest guy with a stash. My man, you were right there with Tom Selleck. Big props to you on that stash. My wife won't let me grow one, but you look awesome. <laughs> so we got we to gotta go and transition into FC Cincinnati. We're, we're talking about Brenner, a guy who was the fourth most expensive incoming signing within this league. Internationals trying to nab him up. FC, FC Cincinnati is putting the kibosh on that, rejecting the offer. The kids had four appearances off the bench. What's going on there? Are they holding him hostage? What's, what's the deal in Cincinnati? Yeah, I mean, he, would, uh, he wants to leave his, his, his camp or pushing for him to go. And I guess that comes from not starting these first four games. He, had, he was out during preseason, not because of injury or fitness. It was, he was waiting on his visa. And again, this is... There's a whole nother bucket that, that that's not Cincy's fault. That's not his fault, but he missed so much time in preseason. He wasn't fit to start the first game. And then Don Baji and um, Brandon Vasquez have been playing so well. It's difficult to kind of break back in the lineup. So I understand why his camp want him to be playing slash like last year was a dumpster fire. As we all know, since he was really awful. So I'm sure the, the trigger would be pretty quick for wanting him out. But Cincinnati stances, you know, look, like we believe in this kid, like the front office, the new front office and the new coaching staff inherited this player. Um, look, I'm not breaking any ground here. Nobody, nobody in the league thinks that he was worth 13 million other than the guy who pulled the trigger on that deal. And I can't <laughs> wow. like I saw so I don't think that we should kind of hold Brenner to this. It's not his fault that he was over like he was bought. Like I know for a fact this summer, this summer he was bought for again, 13 million dollars. There were there were intermediaries working for you could have had him on a free loan with the purchase option. So and like everybody, at scouts I talk to, agents I talk to, club executives at other clubs, um, I, I ask them like, how much is this guy worth? And they're like, 
six million dollars maybe seven million dollars wow. maybe i have no idea why why they paid 13 million dollars so like i i don't want to hold it all against him but he's a super talented kid and since he believed that like their stance is we want to see him in this team we want to see him next to brandon vasquez we want to see him in pat Noonan's system last year he had eight goals in 33 games it was a couple penalties you know lucho costa is, is a fantastic elite number 10 in this league they weren't creating chances last year because they were a dumpster fire and now like they're still struggling defensively but the attack is looking nice I think this playing style suits Brenner than uh, better than Yapsam. And again, literally anything would fit all of these players better than what Yapsam was doing to this <laughs> team last year. It was, it was atrocious. So like their stance and, and I, even in just simple business terms, his value cannot possibly be any lower than it is right now. Mm-hmm. So why would you accept this offer right now? Like I, I, I definitely would be doing the same thing that since he's front offices and like, Hey, we want to give him a run. Like, look, these offers will be there in the summer. Brazil's uh, transfer window, I believe closes like tomorrow. When it reopens, the offers are going to be there. I'm sure European clubs are interested in him too. Like he worked, he, his agency that represents him is, you know, one of those powerful agencies that has a million Brazilian players that are in Europe. Like I'm sure that there's going to be clubs calling for Brenner. So why kind of rush to get him out of yeah. the door again? Why his value is the lowest. Tom, we love having you because you're able to just whip around these topics quick. So I'm going to whip us around to another one. This was something that you were kind of hot on the trail of kind of went cold a little bit. It's the Dane Sinclair, Tyler Miller situation. Uh, Dane has stepped up even more so uh, to the point where I I just can't see Minnesota stomaching having Tyler Miller making the amount of money he does in a salary cap league on the bench. But one destination is off the board. New England has gone out and got a goalkeeper. You you were following this along. So what happens now? Yeah, um, I think just to simply is that Dane St. Clair right now and for all of the clubs that were trying to call and get him in the offseason, New England being one, and again, like five or six other teams kind of inquired about, hey, how much would this cost? Um, so now, now, now shifting to Tyler Miller, I think that whether you think Miller or St. Clair is the better keeper right now, given their ages and their profiles, if they were to trade one of them, uh, Dane St. Clair would be a higher return. What I was told is that they were they would have been able to been Maxime Crepeau money, which you know might have been a little steep. And then other sources said, yeah, we think that they'd probably settle at 700000 for St. Clair. And this is, um, I think I reported that a week or two before that for the week performance against the Red Bulls. And he's started every game since. So I heard that there was another couple advances for Dane St. Clair that were kind of rejected out of hand. Where wouldn't there wasn't a negotiation, there wasn't an offer because they said he's our starter and he's our guy. Um, so I, I guess we'll see what the market is for Tyler Miller. Both of them, like you already said, for the money that Tyler Miller makes, it's too much for backup. Dane St. Clair is the same thing. His new contract extension kicked in this year. We'll know for sure when the MLSPA releases his salary numbers. But my understanding is that it was like 400000 for his contract extension. So this is something that Minnesota knew that they kind of kicked the can down the road and they knew that they were going to have to deal with this year. And their thing was, is that, hey, like we have two starting caliber keepers. Somebody like if we need to trade one of them, we will, if we need to open up more space. So I guess for right now they're managing it, but you know, again, both of these keepers are starting caliber keepers in the league. I can't possibly imagine that either one is going to be happy sitting on the bank on the Tyler Miller. Wasn't last year when Dane St. Clair sank four games. And obviously St. Clair wasn't happy when he was on the bench and these are high level professionals and you, you expect them to have that. Adrian Heath has talked about this. That's how that's the mentality they want. So for right now, they got two starting caliber keepers. And if they wanted to trade one, St. Clair would be, have the bigger market, but I'm sure that there are teams that are interested in Tyler Miller. Wow, the question is who can afford either or? You know, which team can afford either or? That, that's I thought it was going to be New England. That, that, that was the thing. Like, and I was told, so going, I don't want to get sidetracked too far here and ramble, but when Arsenal were in negotiations for Matt Turner, New England was, part of it was for the CCL run, they wanted to keep him, but they, their whole like stance to Arsenal was we need time to replace him. 
which is just not true. Like I was, you know, they could have paid up and gotten like they could have had a deal on the table for Dane wow. Sinclair and they didn't. They, and they wanted to, uh, they wanted to keep uh, Matt Turner for a little longer. And I know for a fact that if they transferred Turner with a, an immediate deal in January, they would have gotten more money and more incentive. So the, it kind of wow. cost them in transfer free. But again, if you're the crafts, if you're Bruce Arena, what do you care about another million or two? Like they wanted to win CCL. They wanted to be competitive for the first half of the season. You're already losing Tejan Buchanan. You kind of like the idea was to transition a little bit better, but mm. obviously Turner's been out. They've been dealing with a lot of injuries, like everything you guys were talking about earlier in the show. It's all true. So yeah, I, I thought that New England was going to be the team, but like you said, they already got um, they signed a, a Serbian goalie and, you know, that's just one less team, but again, the, a domestic goalkeeper proven MLS goalkeepers, like there's a market for that. Like look at Montreal, man. Like, uh, Brezza has not been very good. There was a really funny time for about a week when people thought that he might be ahead of Dane St. Clair in the Canadian national team pool. I think that's very quickly reverted, but yeah, <laughs> you, you can, you can get a domestic goalie. All right, a tough situation over there with the goalkeepers. Tom, what's going on with San Jose? They're still a mess. Do you have any news regarding San Jose and uh, Matias Almeida parting ways? Uh, what do you know about it? I made a joke, I think, after week one or week two, and it was just completely just tongue-in-cheek. I was like, are we sure Matias Almeida isn't tanking? <laughs> Not looking at somebody <laughs> joke anymore. Like, how else can you, you know, Remedi or Jackson Ewell playing and backline in a 3-6-1? Matt Doyle wrote about this. He, he did the correlation of they went out and traded for one of the best aerial center forwards, and they stopped sending in crosses this year. Like, it's just <laughs> so many inexplicable things. And, like, uh, Jay Sam Jones, like, I'm, I keep going back to this when I watch this team. Soccer doesn't have to be this hard. I just don't understand. So, uh, roundabout way of saying, yeah, I mean, look, I would, I'd borderline bet my mortgage or that I don't have rent, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> that, that I can't possibly imagine a scenario that he's here next season. I would, I'm surprised that he's still here. It's yeah. clear that he wants to go and it's clear that the club don't see him as their future. So I don't have this for sure, but I guess the assumption is ownership doesn't want to pay for two coaches at once. I do know, I do love Luchi Gonzalez that that's somebody that that would be a top target. It's too early to say anything about you know whether that would happen you know he's he's on the national team staff he didn't take this job to be there for three months and then not go to the world cup like i know that like lucci wants to go to the world cup as anybody else would that's on this staff so i know san jose likes him i guess that they're not really in a rush like if they haven't fired almeida like i really don't like the optics of you're punting on this season this just is what it is call it what it is like i don't love that so i don't know it's it's just it's a bit of a dumpster fire um they're not even that interesting anymore because at least there was like the novelty with Matias Almeida the first couple of years. Yeah. But like now it's just, I don't know, man. It's just like, w what are we doing here? Uh, so it, it, there's a lot there. But um, again, that's one to keep watching. I heard a couple of weeks ago that, you know, maybe they're getting closer to pulling the trigger. But again, like if they can agree a buyout, if they can't, who knows? I mean, I, I think just the easiest way to put it is this this is not a long-term solution. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Well, I'll tell you what I want to see is – Tom Bogart explaining to Matias Almeida what tanking is and why it exists in the American Are you lexicon. He two foot me into the next dimension. I would say I think you're doing a great job, sir. Oh yeah, that's true. And you, your hair. you are on you are on one leg now, so I don't want to see that happen to you, Tom. Uh, Tom, I got one question for you, real quick, man. Is that an yeah. Asbury Park FC jacket you're wearing there? It is indeed. I love uh, this it. is where I'm from. I'm from I, I, I grew up five minutes from Asbury Park. I live five minutes from Asbury Park right now. This, this, this is my home. Very nice. Very awesome. Nice. I'm, a, I'm a fellow East Coaster myself from New York, but I, I dig the gear right. that Asbury Park uh, makes. They have they had that fun jersey with the coffee sponsor on it. 
Oh, they're incredible. I, I have all the kits. Like, I'm a walking sponsorship for them. They need to start doing stuff. <laughs> yeah, what is going on here? The East Coast is taking over our show. Yeah, that's right. That's right, baby. Is that, is that you kicking me out now? Yeah, <laughs> kind of. I mean, if you're going to go try to take over my show. First. But no, Tom, you're, you're great. I mean, we can throw anything at you, and you've got a great answer. So we appreciate that. So, guys, you can read Tom's work all season long on MLSsoccer.com. Tom is also a great Twitter follow. I can speak to that because Tom and I have very fun DMs. We'll never, you'll never see those, but they're hilarious. So please follow him. Check that out. And Tom, thank you as always. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks. Come on. I always got time for you guys. Thanks so much. Thank you, Tom. You're the best. Thank you. Thanks. All right, guys. There, there goes Tom Bogart. Uh, we got to move along, though, because it was another exciting week across the league, which means there's another batch of memes floating Ooh. around everyone's timeline. So let's take a look at some of our favorites. Remember, if you're in the chat, we want to know. We want you to pick the best one. So let's let's take a look at these. We'll pick our best at the end. Let's see. Let's see what we got. Meme of the week. Meme, meme, meme. <laughs> I like yours better. <laughs> right. what, what do we got? What's the first one? Well, what is the first one? Let's see. Sprinkle it. Okay. There it is. Oh, the Game of Thrones meme. Oh, that hurt. <laughs> well, it's painful. Maybe that's what makes it good. I lo I love the scattered applause. Well. Let's see. I want to see the next one. Let's see. I want to That's see how I felt in our suite watching the game. Is yeah. about how Joffrey felt. Uh, but let's <laughs> let's move on to the next one. Yeah, that's about right. <laughs> that's about right. Bad doggy. Wow. Great meme template, and they nailed it. You love it. You love it when you can reuse the the meme template that everyone's using around for pop pop culture, and that and, and that yeah. Nailed. Unless it's the Jordan one, we see that one way too much. Oh, you don't want to see the Jordan one anymore. Well, right. as long as it doesn't apply to any of our clubs. Right? Yeah, Whoa. I was going to say, make make some uh, crying Jordan memes of Philly and send them to him. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go. Why? Through. <laughs> Just for fun. Uh, oh, here's another classic. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Did you guys see in the game when the, this, the goal got scored and they went immediately to the director cut to Gonzalo Higuain in the stands? He was thrilled. Just so happy. Burning holes in Campania's <laughs> skull. Of course, that's his spot. Was what what were you expecting? Uh, do ah. we, is, that, is that the three? Well, guys, pick your favorite one while we pick ours. What was your favorite? I mean, New, New England, because, I mean, you, you, you're recycling the classics, and they really... I mean, that really depicts their season. Mm -hmm. I mean, you should probably have the dog crying or maybe getting, like, you know, put into a cage or something. Like, this is that kind of a year for the ref. Is it that bad? Mariano? Uh, yeah, the, the New England Revolution one? one, yeah. Okay, that, that's the I'm winner. I'm telling you. That's the winner, but I'll, I'll just pick the Star Wars one because I just I just love thinking of Higuain saying, but after I retire, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, but yeah. here's the winner. There you go. That's here's the winner. Here's the winner. And I think a lot of you, uh, yeah, between two and three. Those were the consensus best ones. They got a lot of LAC fans. They probably, the uh, first one just cut a little too deep. Yeah, I mean, I'm still wearing black because I'm in mourning from that game. Yep. Yeah, all right, guys. Uh, match day six was uh, chock full of impressive performances, so it's hard to point who had the best game, but that's what we pay for. Let's dive into players of the week. Vince, you're first. Ooh, I get to go first. There's a lot of pressure, but I'm going to go with a guy that came into this league with a lot of pressure because he had a big price tag on his head. Sebastian Ferreira, uh, he's he's paying dividends. Uh, he's a player that I did not know much about. I just knew he was he was well regarded uh, across South America, uh, and has since come. I mean, you know what I like about him? He, he's a he's a bit physical for a yep. player that we we consider a, a very technical player. Um, he's just finding ways to score goals, and you know what? the first one, it's just a, a very well worked set piece play. 
Uh, I don't know what San Jose was thinking from going from man marking as your full scheme to on set pieces, not marking anyone. Uh, the second goal, he gets a little help from the goalkeeper. Uh, but you like a guy that is a young guy that can just find ways to score. Uh, that's the toughest thing in this league. And if he's scoring already and he's scoring in all different ways, it's going to bode very, very well for Houston. And that's before Ache Ache even, score, even wow. shows up. So that Houston team, can be a good I'm going to talk a little bit more about them later, but maybe one to watch out for. Hmm, maybe, maybe, maybe. All right, mine, obviously, the Ecuadorian Leonardo Campana with the hat trick. It's an easy one, yes, but not only because of the goals, but... B because he brought a different spectrum to the Miami office. They were struggling first victory uh, in the season. So I think this Ecuadorian player that belongs to Wolverhampton, he's alone with Inter Miami. He's trying to make uh, a case to be the starter with this team, even if Iguain is there. And I think scoring goals like he did this weekend, I think he's going to earn his spot. I really like what, he, what I saw. His, uh, his desire to make an impact in the game, he was there. And actually, I believe that the game changed a little bit of the offensive side of Miami, changed a little bit with him. So, yeah. Campana is my player of the week. And sticking with the rules, you score a hat trick. Somebody's <laughs> there you go. Him. Somebody's got to pick him. That one goal where he just picked out the top corner, class. <sighs> Gonna ask you guys a question. Greek mythology, who is the king of Olympus? Uh, Zeus. All right. Oh, Zeus? So my player of the week is the king of Olympus, or at least the king of Frisco, Texas. Jesus <laughs> Ferreira, baby. He had himself a brace. Beautiful goal in the 50th minute. Nice little assist from Farfan. Takes it. Top of the box. Turns around. Slams one in past Yarborough. And then to ice the game. Catches a great pass from Cervania. Goes in and absolutely puts William Yarbrough in a cast. Breaks his ankle. Slots yeah. it home. A brace. He is now tied with Chicharito and Brandon Vasquez for the league leader in Major League Soccer. The kid's off to a great, great season. Homegrown player, got himself a designated player contract. Two goals on the weekend. Zeus is loose, and he kicked Colorado in their caboose. <laughs> Let's take a look at the team of the week. But while we do, I want to ask this question, just a bonus question. Uh, is Jesus Ferreira the number nine, the best number nine for the U.S. national team? Uh, I think he's a well-rounded number nine. I think that will be my, my first uh, choice instead of Pepe. Got it. Ooh, instead of, instead of his former teammate. Yeah. Right, let's see. Let's see that full screen team of the week. Uh, obviously, all the guys that we so we were yeah, we weren't of far off I base. Mean, is that Kalina and Ned. Yeah, that's it, Charlotte. It is Kalina and Ned. The the front the front three is the three that we uh, that we went with. Yeah, I mean. Um, and Granzi had a great game, so he's there that's too. That's a solid, solid team of the yep. week. Yep. I like seeing uh, even Elliot makes it, and yep. for once, it's a defender making it for a good defensive effort <laughs> and not for scoring a goal. So there you, you gotta, go. You gotta love it. There you go. You're right. Folks, we've done a lot of talking here. We've been kind of bantering among ourselves and Tom Bogart, but we like to make the show as interactive as possible, and that's where you come in. Questions and answers start to slam us with them. You got your experts here, you got your professional, and you got your fanatic right here. Ask away. <laughs> Let us know what's on your Wait, mind. What is going on here with the 110 Football Admin uh, putting out a vote for the type of pants I should wear on Thursday? First of all, I don't own capris or khakis. <laughs> He's lying. What's going on here? <laughs> I, I like yours. I like yours. The question is, do you question. have the matching jacket and underwear with those? That is not a good question. Soccer USA had a question for Mariano earlier. Whoa. What, what did I do? <laughs> okay, did I... I, I'm getting it in my ear from our – did you get it in your ear too from our producer? No, no, no. no. Okay, you played against – what was the South American and European talent. What, what was the toughest? When I was playing against yeah, a European playing, or South American? Yeah, what well, was tougher, playing against South American talent? I know that you, South you hold... I, I think South America is, is it's harder. Because you hold Copa Lib. Yeah. High, I high regard. I think it's harder. But I mean, why? 
Because European talent is very pragmatic, if you want. You know, the, the, the scheme is very rigid, and, and you kind of know what they're going to do. Uh, obviously, if you are not skillful enough, it's kind of hard to break. You have Spain, you have Germany, you have different teams that, you know, go out of that uh, structure. But South America, it's it's all of the above, you know. They're, I'm just going to tell you a, a story. I was playing Copa Libertadores against Peñarol, right? The referee just was in front of me, and then one of their players, uh, Cáceres, he goes and step on on my on my cleat, and I was like, referee, look at that! And the referee is like, oh, just keep playing. And then the the Peñarol player slapped me in the back of my head, and the referee was just right there. He's like, keep playing, keep playing, stop complaining. So I was like, <laughs> all right, so that, that that's something else. It's different. So South America is really so it's the unpredictability. It is exactly okay. It is. Yeah, it is. It good. is good. Oh, that's a good one. Yo. Marvin Chavez, uh, he Ooh. wants to know if Chucky Lozano will be available uh, this summer. Uh, I think he still has a contract with Napoli, mm -hmm. uh, but, but he's always But more option. importantly, would you trade Carlos Vela for Chucky? You don't get to have both. I you will. Have, you would I, definitely take both. You know, I will. If, if I'm, a, if I'm a, an executive from uh, LAFC, I will go with, with Chucky Lozano. He's younger. You know, he's, he's skillful. I think his skills adapt and adjust pretty well to this league. Mm -hmm. uh, when, it, when you have an open game, Chucky Lozano can play. Uh, on the flank. He can even play as a number nine. Sometimes he did with Napoli. Uh, I will. I will for sure because you will be securing a star, a, a player that is, what, 26 or something like that for the next four years if you want. At its probably his peak. Of, uh, so, yeah, I will, I will definitely do it. I mean, he really is kind of a right-footed Bella, right? Mm -hmm. He wants to – he's inverted. He can dribble past you. Uh, he's surprisingly uh, quick with the ball. Uh, and also, he's pretty strong. For a smaller guy, the, his ability to be resistant to tackles yep. um, and to, to take bumps. and Because uh, I'll say this about Carlos Vela. One of the things we don't talk enough about is one of the incredible things that he can do that not many people in this league or even around the world can do. He can take a bump from a guy, and somehow it, it speeds him up. Yep. Um, yeah, and he yeah. can keep – his balance is incredible. It's, it's like ballerina level. Um, and Chucky has a little bit of that. You know who's the, the most successful player in Europe on 1v1 situations? Hmm. Is it Chucky? No, 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 no. He's not. He's not the first one. It's Adama Traore is the first oh, one. Okay. The second one, Vinny? Chucky Lozano. Oh, Chucky. Chucky okay. Lozano in in major leagues in Europe. It's the second most successful player on one mm. B ones. So I think that speaks volumes of what Chucky Lozano can bring. So yes, because of that, I will bring uh, Chucky Lozano instead of Carlitos Vela. But if I can uh, bring Carlos Vela to another tier in in terms of not a DP, that will open a spot for Chucky Lozano and maybe both. Uh, Soccer USA, we don't. And can't give you Chris Penso's home. We're address. not. Yeah, we're not but, doxing. But, but, but if we're going to Google search, I'd probably start somewhere around Dignity Health Sports Park, <laughs> is where he resides. Uh, Gomez has a, has a question. Uh, he's actually ask, asking if we can do this, but this is a kind of a good idea. Refs having post-match interviews. How do I love you, it. You love it. I love it. Yes, yes, because uh, you have uh, the chance to hear from coaches, sometimes executives. Players, of course, but never, ever, ever about the referees. And and I would be great. I would have been amazing to hear Mike Penzo after. Uh, is it Mike? Yes, Chris. Uh, yeah, uh, Chris Penzo. I'm sorry. Uh, after the game, uh, you know, to hear his thoughts about what he saw, why he called this, why he called that. He can be right or wrong, but at least you have an explanation, quick explanation for television and the fans, because the fans are the most important thing. And if the fans are like, "What's going on?" Then I think something is missing there. I agree with you because as much as I like that that. Uh, and I, I mean like as in the general concept of that pro video, 
Do we know that that was the full conversation? Could it have been edited? Oh yeah, they had they had the time to. It just seemed yeah, it just seemed like it, like you said. Wow. It was like wow, was that how it went? It was just like yep, offside. Yep, yeah. got it, offside. And it did yeah. seem like it went kind of quick. But I feel like there was a lot more to that conversation. I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, controversy Maybe. gets uh, clicks, right? I mean, who wouldn't want to hear from a guy like Penso explaining himself in front of an angry mob why he made the calls that he did? That would uh, be fun. Mm -hmm. All right, we got Jerry. Jerry Reynoso has, has entered the chat. Uh-oh. Uh -oh. He's, he's got his classic journalism hat on here. Uh, Charlotte FC became the third expansion side to win their three out of their first six MLS games. Other than that, on the list is LAFC and Atlanta United. Is it a big deal or no biggie? I mean, L Atlanta and LAFC certainly set a very, very high bar. And in most circumstances, expansion teams in any sport go by the way of an FC Cincinnati, where they really start at the bottom and work their way through. This is a team that believes in themselves, clearly, because they think they can go to the playoffs. And as we said earlier on, they've been improving as they've been coming along. They had an Olympico. Kalina's a great goalkeeper. Yeah, I, I think it is a big deal. I mean, MLS wants to see this. I mean, there's a $300 million uh, welcome fee for them to come into the game. Obviously, David Tepper's happy that his team's performing well. I do think it's a big deal. I I do think it's a big deal, but I think comparing them to Atlanta and LAFC... No, not, no, not right, right because, doing that. The talent the, is different. Yeah, the tactics are different. The yep. identity is different. The way that they're playing different. Look, Charlotte, again, is grinding out victories, and at the end of the day, results are all that matters. And, and you said, look, if they can get into a playoff spot, it's going to set them up for years to come because yep. their coach is, it has a long-term view and he's starting to put things in place, but no, they're no Atlanta. Or you cannot build a house without the foundation, and I think what Charlotte is doing is setting out that foundation for what is coming in the future. So they know how to do it, which is fighting every single weekend. So, yeah, it's it's big and huge for them, but you cannot compare them with Atlanta. And oh, heck no. Heck no. Yeah. All right, guys. I wouldn't thank, even think of doing that. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for your questions. Uh, you get, These are great questions every week. Uh, but stop talking about my pants. I will choose what pants I wear. Okay. <laughs> Wait, what? We're talking about my That's pants. About I'm not right. wearing capris. That's about I'm not right. wearing capris. <laughs> the chat. They're getting in there about my pants. Well, why are we oh, talking look at about that. Look at pants. that. There you go. Yeah. Oh, there you I go. mean, those are some sexy pants. I, I like him. But, but I like him. I would wear him. Are they capris? I'll tell you. <laughs> I'll tell you what, never miss leg day. Oh, <laughs> those calves are real, folks. Yeah, They're not at, implants. Look at those gams. All right, guys, that, that was a lot of fun, but I got to get it. I got to move us along to stoppage time. It's all about the business. Uh, Mariano, control yourself because you got to go first. But stoppage yeah. time, it's our chance to uh, to just rant about anything that's top of our head, and Mariano is going to do the honors. He's going to lead us off with stoppage time. Mariano, Mariano, what is your topic? Well, I want to talk about VAR and referees. Look, I'm okay with VAR. I like technology coming into sports, any sports, and I think VR is a good tool for referees uh, to take advantage of the situations that are complicated for them. But I believe that nowadays referees are so comfortable making decisions that, um, uh, you know, I don't know if it are the right decisions or not. They're they're playing with the with the rules, they're playing with the book and with VAR to their convenience. You know, the 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 instruction in the beginning was okay, if it's a tight situation in the game, an offside just keep the flag down and they're not doing it they're doing the opposite because if they make a mistake they can fix it but sometimes they're not even fixing it so i think not var but the decisions from the referees are killing this part of the game the emotions now you can even celebrate if your team scores a goal i was at the stadium latif blessing scores and everybody was crazy it was amazing and then a few minutes after everybody was silent well the la galaxy fans were celebrating but i think they have to find the balance to use var for a good purpose and not uh, stop doing it the way they're doing it because, in in my eyes, they're killing the game. Mm -hmm. 
I agree. We we went completely silent. Maybe they just wanted two cheers. They're like, yeah, let's get as many cheers as yeah. we can to get out <laughs> I of the way. Well, I mean, you had a vantage point. If the stadium went silent, that means more than half of the people that were at Dignity were LAFC supporters. Yep. Yeah. Which is crazy. Crazy. And, it's and, not really. And they were in shock. They said, well, well, what's going on? They didn't understand. The other thing that I didn't like is while the VAR was being uh, uh, checked or the play, the, the whole stadium had the, the replay on the yeah. Jumatron. So obviously that, that's not appropriate and that created more confusion, right? Influences a little. <laughs> yeah, without My, a doubt. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. My stoppage time is taking us to Texas. Last season, Texas propped up the Western Conference and not in a good way. They were at the very bottom. All three Texas teams, Austin, Houston, uh, FC Dallas. I believe that was the order it went in. It doesn't matter. They were in last. This year, uh, we got to see a team that, two, three teams that we thought made some interesting signing, made some interesting moves, but they're good. Like they're legitimately good and they're, get, they're getting better. Uh, we talked about Sebastian Ferreira. Philly talked about Jesus Ferreira. We didn't talk so much about Austin, but they pulled out a gutsy win over Minnesota. The Texas teams are good, man, and, and they're gonna get better. I think Houston's got Hector Herrera coming in. They're still probably gonna look to make more signings. I, I like it a lot, uh, I especially like Dallas and the way they're playing, again, Look out for Texas, man. They're going to make some waves. They're not going to be at the bottom of this table uh, at come end of the season. And and honestly, if they keep making moves like this with the uh, impetus that they have to bring in more players and bring in better players, bring in big name players, uh, I think you know the California teams should look out even. Mm. So look out mm. for Texas. Uh, and look at the uh, in the in the new trending thing. It's hashtag Larosa Pants Co. Oh God! Let's let, let's build that sucker. Vince, you're gonna you're gonna help me out on this next one real quick, just to piggyback off of your thing. The stars at night are big and bright, <laughs> deep in the heart of Texas. <laughs> All right, my, my you just had to time. do it. I, I had to do it. It's fun. It reminds me of a P, the Pee Wee Herman movie. You know, like you don't leave your bike at the basement of the Alamo. Oh anyway, God, mo mo moving right along. So my stoppage time, folks. We got a 50% chance of an ML team winning the CONCACAF Champions League. Seattle defeated NYCFC 3-1 in Seattle. But now they're heading to take on NYCFC not at home. Not at home. And, and my, my biggest gripe with NYCFC and what's been going on with them. This is a team that's now the defending MLS Cup champion. They haven't had home field advantage at all. They had a game against the Costa Rican version of Santos. Not the Costa Rican version, but Costa Rica's Santos mm -hmm. in Bank of California Stadium. Yep. They go play in Red Bull Arena in Harrison, New Jersey. Obviously because of the CONCACAF rules. This is a team that can't get a stadium built. And the thing that bothers me the most, the thing that bothers me the most is there is a USL team. Queensboro FC that got together with a Cal State version of a city school in New York called York. They're going to get a stadium in Queens, New York. A USL team is going to get a stadium wow. before NYC FC. That bothers me. I mean, Yankee Stadium is not a place to watch a soccer game. They want to build in Queens, but because of the Yankee ties to NYCFC, the Mets aren't going to allow that to happen, and neither are the Yankees. So NYCFC gets no home field advantage for the CONCACAF Champions League, and they have an opportunity to represent MLS. That's my gripe. Get NYCFC a stadium, please. Oh, I can see that East Coast in you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. It convinced me, actually, yeah. Yeah, that was that was cool. That was from the heart. I like that. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, thanks, guys, for your stoppage time topics. Uh, we have plenty more great content on 110 Football this week. Thursday, we're back with Football Without Borders at 4 p.m. 
We're going to break down the second legs of the UEFA Champions League quarterfinals. We'll also discuss the CONCACAF Champions League semis and much more, so you don't want to miss it. And on Easter Sunday, we are back at the bank as LFC hosts Sporting Kansas City. We'll be there live for our pregame tailgate at 12.30. And after the match for our instant reaction postgame, we're located right outside of LFC HQ. So come be a part of the show, or if you can't make it, check us out on our YouTube channel. Thank you, as always, for watching. And that's it. Are they still talking about my pants? Yo, yo Kickstarter, yeah, 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 folks. Yeah, yeah. Hashtag LaRosa Pants. Go Kickstarter. Let's get it going, baby. Oh, yes. Come on. Send your pictures. <laughs> there you go. Look at those. Sexy legs, Vince. I'm going to try to get with some of those, actually. <laughs> this I like him. I like him. This content like is not allowed on YouTube. You guys know that, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you. Like God, thanks for having fun in the chat yeah, at my expense. But you guys have been great. But yeah, please, please don't sign off on my legs. Uh, <laughs> thanks, Mariano. Thanks, Philly. Thank you, guys. We'll see you guys on Thursday. <laughs>